Hello everyone, welcome to Caffeinated Humor. You know, back when I was a teen, perspective was just that, perspective. Kind of like an opinion. And everybody knew it was an opinion. And the one thing that we all were sure of is that opinion is not law. Fast forward to today. Millennials believe that any thought that they have as an opinion is chiseled somewhere in a mountaintop and it's it's obviously a law and if you can't see it well you're just a bad person it's one of the reasons i have a hard time dealing with millennials because i feel that any subject under the sun is debatable and what i learned in debate in high school is the first person to say that begins name calling for any reason is announcing publicly that they don't understand their topic enough to have the conversation. And so anytime, and this is a one-sided thing, they don't realize it, but anytime, like on Facebook, you begin hearing people talk about politics, and I'll follow it. The first person that, there are some people that don't, they start with the name calling. They don't even try to go down the road of having any conversation. And it's just a dismissive, ignorant thing. And they think they're totally just, oh, they're burning you. Send you to the burn unit. But they're really announcing publicly that they don't understand what they're talking about. And it's like a child that uh, wants to watch a cartoon. All they know is that that cartoon is on. And this is what they have to do. So if you tell them no, they can't believe it. And they throw a fit because it's obvious that life can't be this way. The cartoon has to be watched. So they pitch a fit. They throw themselves on the floor. Weak parents give in at this point. Let them watch the cartoon. Your stronger parents, they deal with it. And whether that means you sit them down and get some eye contact and have that serious-ass conversation on them to explain that this is not how you behave, or you smack them once on the ass and send them on their way, either way, it's going to be a better way to deal with it. You know, you look at Antifa, you look at all these protesters that are just looting people left and right. Eh, their parents caved in and gave them the cartoon. But this is not meant to be a rant about Antifa. I should do one, though. That would be so much fun. There's so much there, so much content to make fun of. You want to talk about parents caving in and giving them the cartoon. Jesus. But I have come to the conclusion that everybody has opinions. And there is that old, uh, God, who was it that said that? Was it P.T. Barnum? As opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. And they all stink. And I think that's pretty correct. But I also understand that my opinion is not the only one that may be correct. It's a bizarre concept. I'm still put, wrapping my head around it. But every now and then you're going to run across people that know something. And when they do, you have to identify a couple of things. I knew a guy who was a friend of my dad's and he was a literal rocket scientist. One of the more brilliant minds ever to be in aerospace. In fact, I have a sister-in-law whose dad was one of the more brilliant minds ever to be in aerospace. And that doesn't mean they were experts in every other area of life. It's like when you listen to Bill Gates, who is not so much a, a brilliant software engineer as much as he is one of the greater... He's a business envisioner. 
he saw that that Windows could be something more than just something that runs that computer. And look at the powerhouse that it has been for the last several decades. And now he's decided that, well, I know I've been studying up a bit on uh, vaccines. And there are some that follow him and some that don't. I don't look at it as, well, he's made a crap load of money in software, so of course he knows something about vaccines. But I have looked into the things that he's talked about. By and large, he does seem to know his shit. However, he didn't go to more than a decade of, of medical school to know it, which means that he is where a lot of people get their information from. Very selective studying. And that's great, but it's kind of like a friend of mine who hurt his back and he went to a chiropractor. And the chiropractor had him going three days a week for adjustments. He's spending about, you know, two, three thousand a month on the chiropractor because his insurance wouldn't cover it. And then he finally went to a general practitioner that's been taking care of his family since forever. He says, oh, you got that arthritis your grandfather had. Here, take these anti-inflammatories. And if it really gets bad, take these pain pills. He took the anti-inflammatories. His back problem cleared up in a couple days. And that's because a chiropractor has very specific area of expertise. It's kind of like if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Whereas a general practitioner, he's got that whole tool chest. And he uses whatever tool is going to get the job done. Which is why I tend to trust them a little more. I, uh, specialists, after we've exhausted all the other avenues, then I'll go to a specialist. But some people are like that too, just in life. They're, they're more a general practitioner. I like to inflate my ego and think that's kind of like me. I have a massive amount of trivia about just about any, every subject under the sun. Enough to sound like I understand it. And if you disagree with me to make you look foolish in public, that's kind of my thing too. But there are some people that are just specialists. Now, in their area of expertise, they're like gods. But outside of that area of expertise, they can barely tie their shoes. So, we throw all that together, and we have today's episode. Let's assume you're right, maybe, on today's Caffeinated Humor. Clarity comes to me at the oddest of times. And when that happens, you can do one of two things. You can either let it wash off you like water off a duck's back, or you can look at it and absorb it, taking what you can learn from it. So here it is. I'm not a nice person. And you know, it sounds so much worse than it is, but you got to apply my perspective to it. I had a conversation the other day with someone whose opinion I value, and I value different people for different things, but valuing someone's opinion, that is a rarity for me. Now, it's based on an experience kind of thing. I almost never value someone's opinion unless I have some sort of insight into what they have done to get that opinion. So when one of these people gives me something, I listen. Except politics. That's a different story. I mean, one of the most valued opinions I know is just a mess politically. Otherwise, the guy saves lives daily and props to you. You know who you are. Anyway, the problem starts with me being a rotten bully at times. And to the point that 
pretty much only strangers will go verbally toe to toe with me, mainly because I get nasty and it, or at least I, they think I will, which is kind of the same thing. And when that happens, you tend to get further and further down that rude and surly road. It's like you turn down that road, now you live there. So other than strangers whose opinions hold no value for me, I occasionally get something from someone special. So it seems I am mean. The opinion was that a recent podcast had an underlying tone that was a little meaner than usual and sad. Now my first reaction is defensive. I can't get around those defensive instincts. And then like with most things, I begin to analyze the shit out of it. Here's what I found. She's right. The tone of this podcast and the blog that it came from, by intent, by accident, and by chance, has always been snarky and sarcastic. In the very beginning, it was simply reporting on the nasty attitude, awkward behavior of others. But then the whole persona kind of took on a life of its own. Someone that I was dating way back when I started the blog, uh, like first year, regularly made the comment that I really needed to apply a filter to myself. It was like even when I was done writing tomorrow's blog, I was still that person. At the time, the blog was called Bitter Mac, which is my mother's nickname for me. It's a long story. But I was still preying on those around me like some sort of an eavesdropping weasel in the in the hen house. But what do I do about that? That is the other thing I've been chewing on. I certainly never wanted to quit doing the, the blog. And then once I started doing the podcast, I enjoy it. And I don't want to ever quit for reasons that I won't share, but they're not really what you'd think they are, like the obvious things. So obviously I won't quit. But I think the idea of a filter is not such a bad idea, but not in the way maybe they intended. It's not the idea of muzzling myself. From the beginning, if you ever read the blog, you would notice typos every now and then. And that's because I never, other than when I was done, I would go back through it real quick and do like a, a cheap spell check. But I finally got to a point where I didn't edit simply because I was too tempted to censor. And here's what I've found out about editing. If I censor each line as I write, I don't get anything written, and I end up changing shit that I would have liked anyway. But I found that if I just write complete all the way from start to finish, by the time I get to the end, let it sit for an hour, and then I go back over it, I love what I wrote. So that type of filter, I don't do. But it's more like a filtering to remove the shit I don't value from the mix. Now, altogether, I, technically I'm still writing the podcast, or the, the blog, and the blog started in 2011. It's like over 700 posts. Half of them are like personal. I've taken them off of, of being able to look at them and read them because I'm using them for the, the podcast. But since it took, God, we're looking at 10 years to get here, anything that might change it, change the tone, change that is going to take more time. But the journey is sure to be interesting. So thanks for listening. And now it's time for some coffee. Coffee.